You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. Lay hands on them and pray. That's why the Bucks won. Um, but one of the guys that was in the meeting, we prayed for him and it just, you know, just gave a message of hope and everything. The guy hit like three three-pointers like as soon as he went out on the court. I went, see, 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 that's the anointing. Now, I don't know what he, how he did after that because we left the game. But at least for the first quarter, he played great. But that was a real thrill for me. Thank you for praying for me, for giving me the opportunity. If it wasn't for Grace Church, I would have never got that opportunity. I really, really love that, man. When you get up close to these basketball players and realize how big they are, oh, my gosh. I felt so little. <laughs> anyway, good morning, everybody. Morning. It's Palm Sunday. Yeah. It's, it's happy time. It's time to be happy. And next week is Resurrection Sunday. Yes. Are you excited? And if you're a newcomer today, you get a great lunch after the service. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> praise God. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for everyone here. I especially pray for the visitors, that you would speak to them, and that we would show them grace. Father, I pray if anyone came in here not knowing Jesus Christ is Lord, that they would leave saved. Father, you have led so many of the people to your son over the last months. We're just so blessed. Father, if anyone came in here in a financial jam or, or sick in their body or lonely or depressed or in a broken relationship or a marriage that's hanging on by a thread, we pray that they would leave with a victory today, your victory. Father, speak through me to your people today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have a palm? Let me see you wave that palm a little bit. You might as well practice. Because it says in Revelation that one day, we're all going to be dressed in white before the lamb with a palm in our hand. It's going to look like a cult. Can you imagine we were all dressed in white here? I mean, we, the, I would see visitors sneaking out. Especially if I put some sunglasses on. Anyway, next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. We are going to have our own professional photographer, Michael Antonio Martin, is going to be here taking pictures. We are going to have a backdrop that's going to be designed by our designing team. And uh, so you can dress up real nice, not if you don't already, but if you would like to take a family portrait or a portrait with your beautiful wife or you know, with somebody that you want to be your beautiful wife. Whatever, if you want to take pictures next week, feel free to dress up. Also, I heard it through the grapevine that some people are going to wear hats, like, you know, bonnets or hats. How many of you own a hat? Come on. I know there's some guys here even. Yeah. Some guys are going to come in here with hats on. Not bonnets, but hats. And I love church ladies that wear hats. You know why? Because when you're preaching, their hat moves around. And they go, Hallelujah. I remember I preached in that church down in Florida. Remember the Jamaican church? Remember when I didn't know I was preaching until we got there? And there was a woman in the first row, had a, first row had a big hat on, and she, she carried me through it. So uh, I love church ladies with church hats. Teens, you can wear hats too. All right? But just come here next week. We're going to have fun. 
but of course, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today is Palm Sunday. Let's turn to John chapter 12 in our Bibles. Hallelujah. Some of you turn in your phones, swipe to John chapter 12. Some of you just come here and say, Pastor Joe, put the slide up so I can see it. So we do that too. John chapter 12 says, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm. Everybody got a branch of palm? And went out to meet him and cried out, Blessed is he! Say that. Blessed is he! Blessed is he. Who comes in the name of the Lord! The King of Israel. Woof. For like four hours now, I've been waving my palm. My palm's broken, so I stole Alicia's palm. Why is hers so nice? Mine was all. It's because Alicia, as soon as she touched it, it just went, whoosh, it just flourished. <laughs> as you know, one of my favorite scriptures I like to talk about is in Psalm 92. It's verse 12 and 13. It says this. The righteous shall flourish... Like a palm tree, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted where? In the house of the Lord. Shall what? Flourish in the courts of our God. Wow. Everybody take your palm for a second. Let's talk about palm. Why palm? First, because Jesus entered in on the pole on the colt of a donkey, and all the people came out with palm branches. And God compares us to palm. He says, when we're planted in God's house, when we're planted in God's house, we flourish. How many of you would like to flourish? How many of you like wherever you go, people are like, they're fresh and flourishing. You know, or are you like the leftover that's in back of the fridge, and you open it up, and you're like, oh, close it back up. Listen, when you're planted in God's house, you have no choice but to flourish. People that hop from church to church and never really get planted or treat Sundays like it's any other day never really flourish. Because this is what God is saying here. You need to be by the nutrients, being receiving those nutrients all the time. You know why? Because a palm tree cannot be grafted or replanted. And people that hop from house to house, never planted, you're not like a palm tree. You're not flourishing. You're not planted in God's house. Everybody say amen. <laughs> but when you do have a place where people are planted like palm trees, a visitor or someone new comes in, guess what they find here? You know what a group of palm trees is? An oasis. So when people come into a church where people are planted and they're flourishing like palm trees, they can find shelter from their storm. They can find shade from the heat in their life. Say, this is an oasis. We should have named it Oasis Church. Shoot, we missed it. Okay. Next time. <laughs> we name our church something new every 10 years. So <laughs> we know that. With palms, pressure, pressure makes palm trees grow faster. How many of you have experienced pressure and trials and tribulation in your life? When you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll grow quicker. You'll grow faster. See, you have to be planted. 
See, because when you're planted in the house of the Lord, your roots are growing in the Lord, in the house, when a storm comes, guess what? How many of you have ever been in a hurricane? Actually, you have, huh? Was that Hurricane Sandy? I ask that question now, and people are like, yeah, I actually was. You know what? We were. We were in the Dominican Republic on vacation when Sandy came. And they came to us and said, you can't leave for three days. And Alicia was like, really? <laughs> what a shame. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll continue to preach here. But anyway, I remember that. I actually wanted to go home. But uh, we couldn't because of the hurricane. But how many of you have seen hurricane on TV? You see in Florida, you know, you see those. Everything's flying, but the palm tree is just swaying in the storm. But it still stays planted. So when you're planted like a palm tree, when you're flourishing, no storm can take you down. Amen. Guess what else? A palm tree, a healthy palm tree has delicious fruit, delicious dates. Honey, you love the fruit from my tree, don't you? <laughs> the date, palms, and every once in a while a coconut falls and hits you on the head. But otherwise, the palm tree has delicious fruit. You know, when you're planted and you're flourishing, people want to be around you. The fruits of the Spirit are just... They're just naturally in you and on you and emanating from you. How many of you, when you go into a room, does everybody leave? Guess what? It isn't everybody. It's you. <laughs> a lot of times we're like, why is everybody all, why, why, why doesn't everybody call, what? Because maybe all you have is something negative to say. When you're an encourager, people will call you. My wife's phone rings and buzzes and does all this stuff all day because all she does is encourage people. People want to be around people that encourage. People want to be around people that are positive. People want to be around people that are lifting them up. When you're flourishing, you can be something good for somebody else. Amen? Amen. Guess what else palm is, is different about a palm tree? The wood can't be burned. The wood can't be burned. Amen. You want to be like a palm tree? I want to burn. There's something called lake of fire. No, nah, palm tree! Can't burn me. Let me share some, a few more things, because actually Pastor Kev shared. I, I love my pastors. They'll come up to me between the service and give me some more revelation on the subject I'm already looking at. I love that. But also, um, and I'll give you those additions in a second, but if you put a metal band around a regular tree, what will happen with a metal band? If you put a metal band tightly around a regular tree, the tree will grow around it. And Pastor Kevin shared another really cool thing about that with me. He said, the tree will grow around it, and it will actually hide the fact that you have a band around you. It will hide the fact that you might need to break through something. See, because when you wrap a metal band around a palm tree, you know what happens? It pops. Amen. Yeah. Are you a botanist? He said it pops. Or you just spent a lot of time in Hawaii. I don't know. But, um, well, we're all going to Kona. Uh, but this thing, what happens with a palm tree is the strength comes from the inside out. And it breaks every band. Listen, when you're flourishing in church, there's nothing that can hold you. There's no chain that can hold you back. Everything you will break through when you flourish like a palm tree. Now, finally, this is something really cool that Pastor Kev showed me. Take your palm for a second, and if you don't have one, you're in sin, okay? Take your palm. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. 
Look at the leaves on the bottom. They go up step by step. You see that? What happens when you get to the top, the last two? They're together. And what is that? V for victory. When you're like a palm tree, your life is step by step by step by step. And then a V for victory. Yes, to Kev, that is awesome. Feel free if you get any other revelation during the message, Pastor John, Pastor Kev, elders, leaders, write it on a note and give it to me later. No, I'm just, how awesome is that? But that, I'm done talking about palm trees, okay? The palm tree does represent your victory, though. If you want victory, raise it up. Look, look at that V up there. Look, that's why my palms are suffering, because I'm killing them. Do you know how awesome that looks? Imagine Jesus riding into Jerusalem and the palms, wow. It represents your victory because you're waving your palms at the Lamb of God. When we were worshiping and everything, we don't, t listen, I don't know what the songs are until later in the week. I go on the app like everybody else and see what songs we're doing. And here it is, everything that my message is about is the songs we're doing. And it encourages me. But, you know, we were singing, worthy is the lamb. And I was, I just had my palm there. I'm like, worthy is the lamb. Thank you for marching into the gates of my life. Thank you for delivering me from sin, from trouble, from suicide, from everything you did. Thank you for giving me the victory, step by step by step. But I know the end. I know the end. The end is that V on top, baby. It's victory. We win. We're living in it now. And then we were singing heaven touching earth. It's like my victory. Anyway, John chapter 12, verse 14. Jesus, when he found a young donkey, donkey sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Jesus came on a, on a donkey that had never been ridden on before. Why? Because he's the only one who was worthy to ride that donkey. He is the perfect lamb of God. So it's, we know that this is four days before the Passover when Jesus rode in the triumphal entry. When he came in, it was four days before the Passover which in the Hebrew calendar is called the 10th day of Nisan. I'm not talking about a car here, okay? I'm talking about a month. The 10th day of Nisan, he came in. You know what the Jews are doing on the 10th day of Nisan? Read Exodus. As you know, now this year, Easter and Passover are so far apart, it's like a month, it's ridiculous, but that's another teaching for another day. But um, four days before the Passover meal, they had to get a lamb. So God told Moses in Exodus chapter 12, he said, on the 10th day of the first month, Nisan, this month, I want you to go out and find a perfect lamb, a lamb without blemish, and bring it home to your family. It will be your lamb. How many of you have pets? How many of you treat your pets like they're human? How many of you treat pets like they're better than people? Come on, keep your hands up. I know you, dear it's like my uncle died. My cat died. You know, it's just, but amen, that's fine. <laughs> You're close to your animals, I, I totally understand. Um, 
is if a cat dies. But anyways, <laughs> no, it's, it matters. I'm sorry. I just, I'm biased. They're from the devil. I can't tell you. You ever come home and a cat's glad to see you, but a dog, doesn't matter what you do, they always love you. Grace. Anyway, I'm dead. It's all over. I'm sorry. I offended half the church. But they would bring home their own lamb. Any of you ever had a lamb as a pet? Wow, praise God. But they brought home a baby lamb. It became their lamb. And you know what? You need to make Jesus your lamb. It's something personal. But they would bring this lamb, and for four days, it would be in their house. And they would make sure there was no spot or blemish in that lamb. The same day, Jesus comes in. While people are out getting their lambs, the high priest is out there bringing his big, you know, the big religious lamb in to the city. At the same time, Jesus is coming in, the lamb of God, the perfect spotless lamb, who will be sacrificed when everybody sacrifices their lamb for the Passover. The Passover lamb sacrificed the blood. The Israelites put it on the doorpost. When Jesus was sacrificed, that blood is on our hearts. So Jesus comes in four days before the Passover, and guess what they do? For four days, they test him. They inspect him. They wait for him to make a mistake. The religious leaders are looking for a blemish. Guess what they found? Nothing. Remember when Jesus said, if I've sinned against you, they they were confounded because they couldn't find anything wrong with him. He He is the perfect lamb. And the perfect lamb died so the imperfect could have eternal life. The perfect lamb died so the imperfect could have everlasting life. In Mark chapter 11, 7 and 8, it says this. They brought this colt, this baby donkey that had never been ridden before. There's a reason it was never ridden because there's only one guy qualified to ride it. The perfect lamb of God. Jesus Christ, who had the perfect blood of God running through his veins. It says that they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it, and they spread their clothes on the road. Now, they didn't take off all their clothes and streak, okay? But they took off their outer garment, their coat. Their, in biblical, it's, all right, now, stop, because <laughs> I'm going to start laughing. They took off their outer cloak and laid it down to say, I offer myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. See, until you're ready to take off who you are, you'll never know who he is. Until you remove and and stop going after things that you want and understand he's the king of your life. Go after what he's doing. You'll never really know him. It's very hard for us to take off our identity. Like Pastor Ken talked about, the, the, you know, the tree, it grows around the things that are holding you back, and you don't even see them sometimes. Sometimes you don't even see that you're stuck in who you are. But when you're ready to take off who you are and lay it down and make him the king of your life, then you will see who he really is. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, the perfect the perfect Lamb of God ushered in to my life 
into your life? Have you ushered him in to your life? Because he has called you to be holy in the same way that he is holy. Amen? 1 Peter 1. I'm just going to show you part of the scripture, but I'm going to read. Did you ever know, do you know that you could read the word of God and just get immersed in it, and it just speaks to you as you're reading it? It's so powerful. It's, it's just, this is living and active right here. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of dispersion in these cities, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification, sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of of Christ. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Sprinkling of the blood of Christ. <laughs> Sprinkling of the blood of Christ. How many of you know that Jesus in the Spirit took his perfect blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat in heaven that you might be totally forgiven of your sins? Okay, 10th day of Nisan, Jesus comes in, the perfect lamb. He's going to die on the cross, sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat in heaven so you can have everlasting life. It is finished. Do you know what else happened thousands of years earlier? In the book of Joshua, chapter 4, Joshua led the Israelites through the Jordan. On the, it says in Joshua 4.19, on the 10th day of Nisan. And then when they went through, God said to Joshua, get some stones from the Jordan and make a memorial here with these stones to remind everybody that this is where the king went through. You see, because it wasn't about Joshua and the Israelites going through the Jordan. They were carrying the ark. How many of you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? How many of you know what an ark looks like? They carry it on four pole, on two poles and there are people carrying it through. When you see the ark, the cherubim around the side, the mercy seat is here, and it's the picture of God on his throne, even though they don't see God, but they know his presence is there. They carried, as soon as they got into the water with the ark, they were able to get through to the other side. The water spread. So on the same day that Jesus comes in, is the same day that Joshua and the Israelites carried the king through the Jordan. And they would go to Jericho. Actually, Jesus was coming from Jericho when he went to Jerusalem. It's so many, it, it's so many God incidences, it's amazing. Amazing. So what happens? Jesus comes in, he dies on the cross, he takes the blood, and he sprinkles it on the mercy seat of the ark. He has sprinkled that blood on all of us to cover our sins. Jesus' name and Joshua name, Joshua's name, guess what? If, if they were both here and we were all Jewish, we'd call them both the same thing, Yeshua. Who's the king in your life? Who are you ushering across the Jordan? Who's the king in your life? Goes on to say, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Because of what he did, there's a place in heaven reserved for you. How many of you have a house up there? How many of you have a mansion up there? Amen. In this you greatly rejoice. So now for a little while, if need be, you go through some, some various trials. I love how lightly Peter puts it there. Any of you going through some trials? 
Guess what? Step by step, you finally get to the V for victory in the ends. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, which perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus, whom having not seen, you love. See, they didn't see, they didn't see God on the ark either, but they loved. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you, those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. It's so funny, like, we, everybody wants to see an angel. <laughs> Do you know angels want to see what God's doing in your life? They're like, what is going on? Like, really? Like, 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 he's saved? He's a pastor? What? God, what are you doing? Like, really? Bob Nemeth? Yeah? Really? <laughs> like, Really? Look at the person next to you say, like, really? <laughs> yes. Angels are saying the same thing. Really? Like, this is amazing. Look what God is doing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former way you lived in ignorance, how many of you, before you found Jesus, were ignorant? Ignorant. I was really ignorant. You know what I did once? I jumped out of a third floor window for 100 bucks in the projects on Staten Island. How dumb is that? It's just dumb. I was going to pick up Chaplain Willie, and he lives. He's from the same neighborhood. And I rode by the projects. I looked up there, and I went, you're dumb. You're ignorant. should should have been 500. So stupid. That is he who called you is holy. <laughs> Took a few a little while to get that one. Um, he who called you is holy. You also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And now I'm really getting to it. I talked a little bit about palms. I told... But really, this is the gist of it, everybody. Okay, this is the gist of it. That we need to be holy like he is holy. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When he becomes king in your life, you should be like him. You should be like him. It says, he who called you is holy, you be holy too. In all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, be perfect, do the right thing, because that's what I do. And you say, well, I'm a sinner, I can't do it. That's nonsense. You know, our biggest excuse is, I'm a sinner, don't you understand? I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not a sinner. You're saved by grace. You don't go on sinning. You're to be more and more like your heavenly father. 
But not because you're supposed to not do this and not do that. It's because he is holy. You think when they had that perfect lamb in the house that they were cursing around that little lamb? Of course not. Everything changes when you bring a pet home. Everybody's nice for a day. Amen? And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers. Look around. We're all related. I said, look around. I know it's hard to believe, but we're all related. Look around. I know it's hard to believe, but we're all related. We all have the blood of Adam in our veins. Receive from, listen, we can't help it. We're born with it. We're born with sin. We're born into sin. And we're born into trouble. In Job it says, trouble is like sparks that fly upward. How many of you have some sparks flying in your life? Trouble. It's just natural. Because we're born and we're all relatives with Adam. We all have the blood in Adam in us. How many of you know that blood goes to the father? How many of you know that a baby, when it's in the mother's womb, the her blood, the mom's blood, and the baby's blood do not mix? Believe it or not, it's true. It's a fact. Nurses, am I right? Amen. The blood is decided by the father. We have Adam's blood, his tainted blood. We have the sting of sin in our life. We can't help it. We just need, we need, just need a cure. We need a cure for it. It's been pa passed down to us, and we're just born with it. And the cure is the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. Because whose blood did Jesus have? Didn't have Mary's blood. Came from the Father. Who's Jesus' father? The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. He had the perfect blood of God running through his veins. He was unlike anyone who ever lived on this earth. The precious, the valuable blood. We know that life is in the blood. Amen? Blood is what keeps us alive. When you get a leak and you don't stop it, it's kind of like plumbing. You get a leak and you can blood, your blood could run out. You'll die because the life is in the blood. Eternal life was in his blood. And that eternal life was poured onto the mercy seat. It sprinkled over us so that we might live forever. How many of you receive that right now? The perfect blood of Jesus, of the perfect Lamb of God into your life. Covered in the blood, we always say. Covered in the blood. You know, you, you've been to churches where they plead the blood over you. Blood, 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 blood. Pour blood on them. But really, <laughs> life is in the blood. Eternal life is in the blood of Jesus. He was perfect. And because he was perfect, our imperfection can become perfect. Listen to me. I'm not preaching behavior modification. Listen, do's and don'ts never work. But I'll tell you what does. 
work, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, like that palm tree expanding outwards, like what we do in our rehab in Florida. I'm a CEO of a rehab, um, and uh, guess what we found out? That behavior modification doesn't work. Guess what they find out with diets and everything? No matter how long you starve yourself, you always go back. Amen? You know, they say in addiction, you know, people, places, and things, and, and stay out of this area, and, you know, go to some place where it's hot and sunny, and you'll be fine. It's not true. Until something changes inside of you, it'll never change outside of you. Listen, you know how you lose weight? It happens inside, in here, in here. You know how you break addiction? It starts inside and here and here. You know how your marriage is healed? It starts in here and here. It's all inside out, people. It's an inside job, honey. You're absolutely right. It's an inside job. But we have this blood inside of us, this venom. You know, uh, it talks about 1 Corinthians 15. It says that we've been stung. It says death has an actual sting. How many of you realize you've been stung with the, ve the venom of death? It's in your blood. Every one of us is going to die. How many of you know you're going to die someday? As soon as you come to that realization, you know, my daughter sent us a text, my daughter Nikki, one of the uh, young girls that she went to Bible school with, her husband took his own life. Young man. How many of you know people's lives have been cut short and it doesn't make any sense because you know what every one of us is going to die every one of us is going to face that every one of us that blood runs through us but you know what there's a cure for the venom <laughs> there's a cure in the Old Testament Moses was taking the Israelites to the promised land and they started complaining and grumbling a million Jews I mean what you, that's usually what happens I'm half Jewish, it's okay. I'm half Italian, half Jewish. I complain and I yell all at the same time. If you live in my house, right, it's a bunch of complaining and yelling. Most, well, not most of the time. I'm being changed and from glory to glory, becoming more holy like he is holy. Hardly ever. <laughs> I hardly ever complain and yell anymore at home. Amen. So here they are, they're grumbling and complaining, you know, because they want something to eat, they want something to drink, they're in the desert, I mean... And uh, what happens? Scorpions. A, a, a group of scorpions comes along and starts biting the Israelites. Like, yeah, maybe you just want to avoid the scorpions. They start dying. They start dying, and they're like, Moses, help, help us, Moses. Moses goes to God. And God says, I want to get, take a dead scorpion, put it on a pole, which I'm sure was a cross. <laughs> And raise it up and tell the Israelites to look at it. And if they look at it, they won't die. John 3, 14 and 15. Jesus said, as. Jesus said, as. The serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man. Even the serpent in the wilderness was lifted up. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if you look at Jesus on the cross, 
even though the venom is in your body, you receive eternal life just by looking at it, just by believing in it, just by trusting in it. Because God said to Moses, tell the people, if they look at it, they'll live. So God has told us through John that if we look to Jesus, even though we have the venom, we will live. So all we need to do is believe it and trust it when we look at it, and we will live. Do you see that? See, because it's not about that as much as it is about believing what God says. Jesus said, the Son of Man will be lifted up. Those of you that believe and look to it, you will live. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15 it says, Oh, death, where is your sting? It's been swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. So you say to me, how can I be holy then? I say to you by looking at him. I say to you by looking at him. See, when we get our focus off him, that's when our holiness starts to fade. It's not about don't do this, don't do that. It's about do that. Look to him. Believe in him. Believe in the perfect lamb, and you will be made perfect. Keep your eyes on him. Keep yourself in his word. Keep yourself praising him. Keep him as the king of your life. And you'll break addiction. You'll break sin. You'll break anything that's holding you back. Look unto the author and finisher of your faith, Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb of God. That's what we're waving for, for Jesus. He's the reason. He's the one. When you go like this, you're saying, I ushered the king into my life. He's my lamb. He died on the cross for me. If I keep my eyes on him, I become more and more like him. I become more and more holy like him. Don't tell me you can't be holy. Don't tell me you can't be set apart. He did it so you could do it. He said, I choose to lay my life down. Choose to lay down your coat. Choose to do it. You can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are many of you here saying that I don't know how I'm going to get out of this sin. I feel so guilty about this. I'll tell you what you do. Look to the cross. Look to the lamb. Look to the perfect lamb. And trust him. Oh, death, where is your sting? Because I'm going to tell you something. Everybody stand up with your palm. Listen, we can play church or we can be the church. We can live in heavenly places now. We don't have to wait. It says we are seated in heavenly places. I love this. Look at Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. See, listen. Step by step, you're becoming more and more like him. Step by step, you're being more holy like him. Till eventually you have total victory. You're totally cleansed. You are like him. You will be without sin. Living in a place where there are no tears. And there's no nighttime. And there's no sickness. That's, that's our end. You see it? That's our end. Look at Revelation 7-9. After these things, I looked. Everybody look. And behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Look around you. Is there, is there some tribes in here? 
I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Are there some people from tribes is here? Are there people from different nations here? Are there some different peoples here? Are there some different tongues here? Well, let's have everybody speak in tongues and we'll find out. Standing before the throne and before who? The Lamb. We're going to be clothed in white. We are in a cult. I knew it. But the Jesus cult is a good cult to be in. Clothed in white robes with what? Palm branches in our hands. And crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation! Salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to our God. Hosanna means salvation. Hosanna means send now. Prosperity. That's what Hosanna means. We're going to be saying Hosanna for eternity, people. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. And to who? The Lamb. Is the Lamb worthy? Oh, yes, He is. Hallelujah. But it gets better. Everybody say it gets better. (laughs) In Revelation 19, it says this. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. In righteousness he judges and he makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. That's the name that the Jews have for God that they are not allowed to speak. Not allowed to speak. He was clothed in a robe too, but this robe was dipped in blood. So everybody's dressed in white, but the king, the leader, the king of kings, he's dressed in white, but there's a little something on the bottom of his robe. It's blood. Not because he made war against anybody, because he shed his own perfect blood. And because of that blood, we can be dressed in white. You know, young women, they wear white because they're pure and holy. That's why it started. That, that's what it's all about. But you know what? Even if you're not pure and holy, you could still wear white. Because Jesus dipped his white in blood. It says, his blood will make your red as white as snow. This blood will make your red as white as snow. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, it goes on to say, were clothed in fine linen. That's us. Followed him on white horses. See, Jesus came the first time through the eastern gate into Jerusalem. When you're on the Mount of Olives, we've been there, you can see right over to the eastern gate. It's the gate that Jesus came in on the donkey. It's the same gate that he will come again. But this time he's not coming on a donkey. He's coming on a horse. King's coming on a white horse. And guess who else is coming on a white horse? Us! And guess what? My horse is going to be faster than some of your horses. My horse is going to be faster than her horse. You know why? 
because I have this thought that in heaven, Alicia's always going to be going from here to there, and I won't be able to keep up with her. So I told God, I want a faster horse than my wife. Well, look at this. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you go to Israel and you see the Eastern Gate, and uh, listen, this is just the truth, so I, I'm going to be unpolitically correct for a second if you don't like it too bad. It's the truth. It's the truth. The Muslims built a graveyard in front of the Eastern Gate. I didn't get this from a Bible scholar. I didn't get this from a tour guide. I got it from the people walking the streets of Israel with us. I was like, why is there a graveyard over there? The Muslims put a graveyard in front of the Eastern Gate. You know why? Because in the Jewish law, a priest will never cross a graveyard. So in their mind, Jesus will never come back because there's a graveyard in front of the Eastern Gate. But let me tell you something. He ain't walking. He's coming in a horse from the clouds in heaven. And he will go through that gate. And we will say, worthy is the Lamb, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. That's the truth. On his robe and on his thigh. On his thigh. Oh, I love this. It says, King of Kings. So when he's sitting on the horse and you see his thigh, you see King of Kings and Lord of Lords riding in. And he will come again and we will be following him on up white horses. And the final victory will be won. Are you going? Are you riding? Are you marching in? Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated right now. I want to make sure that everybody here is getting a horse, okay? Because if you live forever, if you look to Jesus, if you look to what he did on the cross, you are saved. Jesus said it. He was talking to Nicodemus. He said, listen, like, like Moses lifted up the dead serpent, the same way, if you look to the cross and see your sins dead on the cross, you are saved from your sin. You become dead to your sin. When you see the cross, you see your sin nailed to the cross, you become dead to it. Say, I'm dead to it. There you go. If God says your sin is gone, it's gone. How? By looking and trusting to what Jesus did. How do we do that? We say a prayer of belief. We do it here every week. We've had numerous people come to Jesus over the last months, and I pray it happens again today. But if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because we're going to still preach the gospel. We're still going to preach the truth. So if you would bow your heads with me right now. Father, just say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. He was the perfect lamb who died for imperfect me. He shed his blood for my sin. He made the imperfect perfect. Jesus, I look to you for salvation. Come into my heart. Make me new today. 
as the Father raised you from the dead. Raise me as well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody close your eyes, bow your head for a second. If you said this prayer for the first time or maybe the fifth time, but you really said it today, you really meant it. You want to make sure that one day you will be in heaven. That one day you will worship the Lamb with all the other believers. That one day you will ride in with Jesus to conquer all. If you said that prayer and you really meant it today, it's your first time, you want to say it and mean it, just raise your hand. Raise your hand high so I can see it. 